Hello everyone, my name is Elaine and I am a girl on the internet. For this week's episode, I kind of wanted to step away from being inspirational and motivational and talking about my past and high school and college and what there is to come and jump all the way back to when I was a fetus, basically. I wanted to talk about my childhood phases. Now, this isn't necessarily my original idea. When I posted on my Instagram asking for any recommendations on topics I should talk about in future episodes, I got childhood phases and I thought that was perfect because it just so happened that I was already thinking of reflecting on my childhood and some of the other phases I was going to, but I didn't know how to group them all together and how to link them in a way that is relevant and makes sense. But when someone said childhood phases, damn right were those childhood phases. I've tried recording this multiple times as per usual. This is what's going to happen. I've decided to talk talk about the origins of my love for the internet. Born in 2002, the internet was still very new. I didn't start becoming like a very active citizen until like 2012-2013 on the internet so you know I was 10 years old still very young you know by the time I got to fifth grade I had already dabbled in a lot of the internet stuff I joined virtual worlds I was on Nickelodeon they had their own like virtual thing I was also on Club Penguin Pop Tropica I also went on the McDonald's version the Build-A-Bear version I tried so many virtual online websites that had their own world that you could talk to real people without really knowing your identity and you could just have fun and play games in a completely different atmosphere, a completely different world. And I love that as a child. I know I'm not the only one. My imagination was so rich and to be like throwing on all these new characters, you know, dressing up your character and buying a house or buying furniture or buying food. It was like amazing. And I spent a lot of time just thinking about it. I also played a bunch of online games, played them on specific websites. So I played on Friv, I play on gamesgames.com. Oh my god, gamesgames.com was my ultimate favorite. I loved, I loved that website. I know I there was also Girls Go Games, I think. I was never really a cool math games person. I knew about it and I heard about it, but I never really like got into it. I know that cool math games was like really popular because, you know, all the school servers would literally block everything, you know, for valid reasons. But I, I just loved gamesgames.com. I remember all the games I used to play. Well, not all of them, but I remember a couple. One game that I would always play was this fashion game. You could go to different cities, shop, or you can like browse the clothes. And there was New York or London or Paris or something like that. Those might have not been the cities or might have not been the only ones. And then there was another game that I had such a hard time playing as a child because I had no fashion sense. Didn't need it. But I would play this game where you dress up three models casual, dressy, and professional. And then your models and your outfits would get rated by like a group of judges or just like a single judge. And I always, I always did really poorly. And they were like, you need to change the accessories. They don't match. This is too dressy. This is too formal. This is too professional. I remember a few years ago, I don't know what I was on, what I was doing, the context of the situation. I somehow got back to that game and I did it all over again. And I freaking got like the best rating there were in that game. I got no complaints 
all good feedback and I was like I, the wave of reassurance I felt as a person for not only conquering the game but fashion in general even though you had a very limited number of choices for clothes I was just so happy and that was like my sense of closure for that game another game I was obsessed with literally obsessed it was such a weird game is that there was this one where you're like a girl right and you're walking by a bunch of people on the street and your object like the objective of the game was to I think with your mouse you were supposed to click a guy and make sure you held on as much as possible like the the eye contact but the eye contact wasn't eye contact it was like hearts it was very cartoony by the way not realistic at all and you were supposed to hold that like you hold your mouse on them and you maintain that eye contact with the hearts until that guy like fell in love with you and what would happen is that that guy would go behind you as you were walking and he would be floating with hearts in his eyes as you continued walking and you were supposed to get as many guys as you could by the end of the game and then it would tell you how you did now that i say that out loud that was fucking weird i don't know i have no idea what that game was called or why was that the concept but elementary school elaine loved that shit i was like yes let me get as many guys as i want i really don't know why that game was so satisfying for me but i loved it i really wish i remember the name because if i could go back and play it and see how weird this game is i would i i really really would. Maybe I should make a YouTube video of me playing these games. Hmm. You know, that would be interesting. But let's not talk about YouTube right now. We don't know her. So I went through a huge phase where I would play games. Oh my god, there was another one. I just remembered it. It was on Friv.com. It was like a fast food game. And you were like a CEO of a fast food company. You had to monitor the stocks. Even though there really wasn't like any stocks, you had to just make sure it didn't go down. Or maybe I was too young to understand the numbers. But you had the stocks. You had to take care of the cows at the farm. Make sure like mad cow disease didn't spread. You had to monitor your workers at the fast food place and get enough employees. If an employee fell sick, it would get everyone sick and then your business would fail. And then, you know, cows, I don't know, how this had to do with it but cows would get sick and there was nothing you can do and stocks were falling and you would go bankrupt is basically how you fail that game i was so young and too young to understand and i remember you had to monitor all these different aspects of a business and i could never conquer the game i could i learned to not fuck up long enough to enjoy the game but ultimately 30 minutes later i don't even know how much time i would fail the game and i would stop Oh my god, there was another one! I'm sorry, I just keep remembering other games. There was this other game also called Animal Shelter or Pet Shelter. So you were running an animal shelter and you had to feed the dogs and feed the turtles and feed the cats and feed all the other animals, the bunnies, and your job was to get them adopted but also take care of all the ones that kept coming in. And I ultimately would always fail in that game because the animals got too much for me. I was never a big pizzeria person. I know that game is super popular. I played it a couple times but that game was not the one that caught my heart oh my god there was a fortune telling one too and then there was washing dogs those games were really good too there was another one where there you were like a babysitter and you had to take care of all the babies while the parents were gone at work and then they would come and pick up their babies there were those too oh my god that's crazy i could sit here and talk about games for the rest of the episode but i know there's so much more to talk about so i'm gonna move on from that so i was a big 
big online game person, as you can tell, in virtual worlds. And as soon as I got into fifth grade, I started to dabble into like actual like real world social media platforms. I got a Tumblr in fifth grade because a friend of mine was a big Tumblr person. She was like way more mature than I was. She's like, get a Tumblr, like do it. You know, if it asks for your age, just say you're 18. I'm like, okay. So I got a Tumblr. I also started an Instagram because I was also going through a major mermaid phase from fifth to sixth grade. I had never really been on Instagram before, but I started this one out of passion and love for mermaids. And my love for mermaids came from this online YouTube show that was made by girls that were not that much older than me because I was like 10, 11 at the time. And they were like 13, 14 maybe. And this show, look, the production was really bad. The story didn't make sense, but little Elaine thought that mermaids were just amazing and that the fact that these girls even attempted to make a show like this was crazy to me. And it's really interesting because you saw them grow throughout the seasons. I think they had three seasons. That show played a huge role into my mermaid obsession. And so I started this mermaid account I would just post pictures from the internet. I would go online, Google mermaids, and I would just post whatever I saw. And that's how I ran my account. I would put that, put a caption, and then throw on like a gazillion hashtags to the post. And over time, I started getting more and more followers. And I was just really stoked because I'm like, wow, I have a mermaid obsession and people want to look at my posts, even though I wasn't really making the content. At the same time, I was also making fan collages and I was trying to make my own pictures and stuff for people to like. And I made a lot of fan collages of the girls that were in that YouTube show, even though again, this was made by them. It wasn't professionally produced. It was literally for funsies. And I, I found their Instagrams at like 10, 11, and they were like already in middle school towards the end of middle school. And I would tag them in every single fan collage. Literally, I was crazy. I was the ultimate fangirl for these girls. And you know what ended up happening? At first, they liked my posts, and I, the sense of joy that gave me was extraordinary. I was like on a high. I think one girl even commented, or two of them followed, because the show, sorry, I forgot to note that the show starred three girls. So out of those three girls, two of the actresses followed me, I think, and one never did, and I really wanted the third one to follow me. You know, I was so happy that they were engaging with my account. Eventually, though, I started posting too much and I am pretty sure I annoyed them and creeped them out a little bit. All of them ended up blocking me. I think one didn't or maybe she ended up blocking me too after a little while. I think I found out that they blocked me because one of them hadn't and I clicked their account when they were tagged in the caption and saw that the profile wasn't available but I knew their account still existed and I think eventually I got blocked by all of them. But having been a child that had not gone through the stage where you develop empathy, I just moved on and acted like nothing happened and forgot about them. But I'm telling you, this series was a big deal in my life. If you ever want to watch it, I have no idea if it's still on YouTube. In my head, I know it's bad, but I loved it. And they did get better throughout the seasons. I just saw that they were girls who had mermaid tails, like actual ones, and they're not ones with scales. It was just you put a flipper inside a piece of cloth and then you put it around your legs and you like sew it or something and you make a tail. And I always, always, always wanted one. I was mermaid crazy. I never got that mermaid tail, but it's totally fine. I kept posting and I eventually got so many followers and I, with that account, I had the most followers I've ever had in my life. I had a thousand two hundred followers. 
And come on, this was before the age of influencers, so I think I was pretty cool. I think having a thousand followers on Instagram back in 2012 or 2013 meant that you were somewhat elite. It meant that you were like a micro-influencer. Because nowadays, the numbers to be a micro-influencer range like 25 to 50,000, and that's just like starting off. Like, once you have that many, you know what? That's too much. I think when you have 10,000, that's when you're like, whoa. And then when you start getting up to 25 to 50 is when people start taking you really seriously. And then once you reach like the hundreds of thousands of followers, you're like, whoa. And the millions are celebrities or like really, really well-known people. And so me having a thousand followers in 2012 was like, I'm pretty cool. People, this many people want to see my content. And no, I was not a follow for follow person, okay? I love how I'm still bragging about something that I did in fifth grade. Like, that's so lame, but I'm gonna do it anyways. I was not following a thousand people. That's not how I got it. I legit got it from just, from just throwing on like a gazillion hashtags on mermaid posts. And that's what I did. But you know what ended up happening? With great power and great influence comes great responsibility, and I, I managed to screw it all up, and here's how. So towards the end of my Instagram era, where I was literally thriving, I ran into some trouble because one day, I mean, at some point I had started posting pictures of people who dressed up as mermaids and entertained kids at an aquarium for kids' birthday parties. That was not a very concise way of summarizing that. So I was posting pictures of real people whose job was to be a mermaid. And I remember I would throw on the same hashtags onto the posts as I would for any other one. And there was a hashtag that I remember that literally got a bunch of people mad at me and I used Mer Taylor. So I'm not sure what Mer Taylor is even today because I never looked into it, but I believe Mer Taylor was a kind of tail that was designed by this specific designer. So that was like his line or his specialty. And I would tag everything Mer Taylor. And one day this lady commented on my post. She was like a full grown adult probably almost like a middle-aged woman. And there's nothing wrong with that, but this is very important. So I remember she commented on my post and she was like, hey, this isn't Mer Taylor. Stop inaccurately tagging, you know, this post and give proper credit to the owner. I'm all for giving proper credit to people. You know, it's necessary and that's how you get artists and people recognized. But please remember, it is not it wasn't 2019. It wasn't post-Vine era where people started to legitimately care about credit. This was 2012. This was like way before Vine hit its like peak. So for me, as a 10-year-old girl who was still fairly new to the internet that had no idea about credit and copyright issues, I was like, hey, um... I'm like 10 years old. I remember I legit told this woman my age. I was like, hey, I'm like 10 years old. Um, 10, 11. I found these photos on the internet and I'm not very familiar with what I'm like, who I'm posting and I don't really put that much thought into the hashtags I use. I mean, I did, I put like mermaid relevant stuff, but I wasn't. And I said, I'm just a girl having fun on the internet and posting these photos. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I remember I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I remember the responses were so long and it was just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. 
she was just like, you need to give proper credit or else. And then she got all her mermaid friends, I know that makes me sound crazy, all her mermaid friend workers, they started attacking me on the post and they were like, I'm gonna file a lawsuit against you, I'm gonna get my lawyer, I'm gonna make sure that you can't do this. And look, I wasn't making money off the account, this again was before like the huge Instagram influencer era. And I was just a little girl and I was just posting for funsies, you know, and these women were getting mad at me and threatening to sue me and I, I understood nothing and it was really funny because I told than my age and I think I made it very clear that I had no idea what I was doing and I was just trying to post for fun and they were getting mad and I don't think they cared or they maybe maybe they didn't believe me but they never told me that they thought I was lying and it was a bunch of like 30 to 45 year old women attacking me on the internet attacking like literally cornering a 10 year old girl it's so funny to think about and it's just like it's so crazy that that happened and i ended up making amends you know i was like you know what i apologize i'll give credit where credit is due you know i'll do that in the future for future posts and i lost interest i really really after that argument and after like putting in more effort than i usually did into my posts i was like this is not fun for me anymore and a friendly reminder, as a 10-year-old who had not gone through the stage where I developed empathy or, like, awareness, I moved on and I just gave up on that account. But that's crazy. I can't believe- I, it's so funny to think about how I was threatened to be sued by a freaking adult woman in 2012 when I was only 10. It, it's so- it's so crazy. My mermaid addiction, though, my my mermaid addiction, my mermaid obsession, though, it continued to sixth grade. I eventually grew out of it, and it's just like fun memories now. However, at the same time in my fifth grade years, I started dabbling in Omegle. I know, I threw that big one out there, Omegle. You know, the website where you can talk to strangers using a webcam and a microphone, you know, like in your own house you know, as a little girl on the internet. I wasn't even a girl on the internet at the time, I was a little girl. And <laughs> I legit turned on my webcam. I remember, like, I know how I looked when I was 10 years old now. I look like a fetus. I, I really did. And I'm surprised nothing ever happened to me. You know how Omega's like notorious for many reasons, but one of them being that most people who go on there, who have their webcam on, see a penis? I promise you, I swear okay? I had never, I have never ever seen a penis on Omegle to this day. I don't go on it anymore. The last time I went on it was probably sophomore year of high school or freshman year. And by then, like, I had never even turned on my webcam anymore because I learned about the dangers of the internet. I would only do text. I did my boldest Omegle moves as a 10-year-old child. I, I keep emphasizing my age because it's so crazy how, like, I was just exploring the internet like nothing as a child. It was like, you know how they say the world is my oyster, the internet was my oyster. I was mostly active on Omega during my Tumblr phase. Whenever I would go on there, I would type Tumblr as like my common interest because you can tag your video chat with a certain phrase or keyword and it would put you with people who like the same thing. So I put Tumblr and I would find people that were older than me but not like adults. I would find like 13 to 16 year olds on there and I was like... I remember I found a bunch of Tumblr friends and we were all talking. We all moved on to this chat site called Tiny Chat. I really don't know about the reputation of Tiny Chat. I don't know if it 
still exists today but at the time I would always use it to talk with friends because you could share like you could stream videos you can talk you can do so many things on there it's like it was pre-discord tiny chat was everything that discord is doing better today <laughs> Discord is obviously like amazing in terms of like what you can do on there but at the time I had tiny chat and I remember I went on Omegle and I had already been talking to like a couple Tumblr friends who were all older than me I think they were 13 to 16 years old the oldest one was like 15 16 and she was super cool I never met a person on the internet who faked their age thankfully again I'm I was very lucky for that I remember I went on Omegle and I saw these like I was clicking through the people and I saw two guys and they were dressed as like oh my god there's so much to explain but I could tell they were tumblr people by the way they were dressed and they look didn't look much older than me they probably looked no you know what I was 10 again they look like they were 13 14 and I was like hey you want to go into a tiny chat and talk I wish you guys could see me facepalm right now. Like, that is such a sus thing to ask. But at the time, it was so, like, good-natured and wholesome. And they were like, yeah, send me the link. Got on there. And they knew that I was hanging out with other people. I think I said, like, oh, you want to join my friends and I on this tiny chat? And they were like, sure, send the link. And I sent the link. And they joined and they became a part of our friend group. What the hell? You know, if my child told me that, I would be so concerned. I would be like, are you crazy? get off the internet, give me your laptop, I can understand. I had a bunch of internet friends and eventually the Tumblr thing died off, I stopped talking to everyone, I was just going through my phases and I eventually ended up back on Instagram with new accounts and I started to do, I don't know where I got the idea from, I think I might have seen it on Tumblr but I made like an Instagram version of it, of like a roleplay account. Okay, when I say roleplay, get your mind out of the gutter. It is not that kind of roleplay. We would call it RP. It was basically like a bunch of people writing stories together using their own characters and you would put your characters in different scenarios. I had a bunch of RP accounts with my own characters and usually you would make an account and what I did is what I made one account for one character and I based my whole account on that character and their personality and building who they were. I would interact with other accounts who were basically doing the same thing as me and I found an RP community on Instagram and at the time in 2012 it was huge. It was amazing. It was crazy because there were so many users that were a part of it and you would just RP with a bunch of people and I met two internet friends. I haven't talked to them in forever but I still have like if I wanted to call them or like contact them I could and it's just crazy how I made like two lifelong internet friends that I know like I actually know who they are as like people. I know them as much as I know people I go to college with, which is crazy because one, like, they're both similar because I never met them in person, but I know they're real people and I've seen their faces. So in my RP community, I used to put my personality into the characters so the characters were a reflection of, like, me and what I wanted to do in these imaginary scenarios. So it's like, I want to fly and I want to punch you in the face. And I would just say that and people would go along with it. Like, RP was amazing for me because I love to write and I've always loved to write since I was a child child even though I've never really explored that as a potential career path and I don't want to but it was amazing because I was able to write whatever I wanted and people would respond to it however they wanted and you would just see where the situation would go and every RP situation was different. I RP'd up until like before eighth grade and I think that was the last time I ever did it. Going into that whole Tumblr writing RP phase I loved oh my goodness <laughs> This one's a doozy. I loved fan fiction. I really did. 
again, I was a big writer person. I freaking loved fan fiction. Also, this whole like Omegle Tumblr RP phase started like sixth grade for me. So I was already out of elementary, still pretty young, still like 11, 12 years old, but I, I, fan fiction was just, I don't know. I was a big reader, I used to be, and so fan fiction was reading into scenarios that would never happen in the actual novels, but it was interesting to see how other people would write those scenarios and put you in it. In sixth grade, I was writing fan fiction for my classmates. I legit wrote fan fiction for my classmates. You know, I should have charged them, but I didn't because I was writing them out of sheer joy and happiness and the desire to write myself. We had a group chat. It's so weird but also kind of cute like if I heard that my daughter was doing this or that a person's daughter that I knew was doing this I would think it's pretty funny but cute and weird because like one you're building your writing talent two you're making people happy three you're practicing and you're thinking of new scenarios like it's all it's all beneficial it didn't harm anyone. I remember it was a group chat with like five girls and we all had like crushes on different guys in sixth grade. We decided to use those guys in the story. So I would write like, I'm going to use imaginary names. I would write about Quentin and Maxine. I don't know why I thought of those names. Please don't at me. I would write about Quentin and Maxine weirdest combination of names. I would write like, Quentin sees Maxine one day as he walks down the path to school. And I still have those stories saved today. And I love having them because they were really gross. They were really wholesome and cute. Also like ridiculous in terms of plot lines. Like just reading it today reminds me of how much I enjoyed it. And I wrote, I don't know how many, I think like close to 10. Close to 10. That's kind of being generous, but I would say like, let's just say 10. I stopped because the demand was too high. That is right, ladies and gents and non-binaries. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't handle the pressure, the demand, because legit, I would write a story, they would read it, and then they would be like, Elaine, can you write another one? And at first, the first few times I was like, they're just excited. Okay, I have time. But I would legit write a story. They would react to it. And like not even a minute later, they wouldn't even sit with that rush of dopamine they were getting. They were like, write another one. And I was like, what the heck? They'd be like, write one about me and him and write one about this and them. And I was like, dude, I wrote like three within the past 24 hours like why are you I just got fed up and I stopped and they were displeased and the following year when I left the school and I, I went somewhere else because the school I went to only went up to sixth grade they assigned a different girl in that group to write a bunch of fan fiction in place of me. And let me just say this girl is amazing. She is so successful today. School she's going to Ivy League. I think it is Ivy League. But those fan fiction stories, though, were terrible. Oh my goodness. I got a hold of those, like, a few years later, and I was like, jeez. You know, these women were desperate. They, they wanted these stories so badly because, damn, the amount of run-on sentences in this singular story alone is astronomical. And as a writer who was too cocky at the time, I was like, what the hell is this? 
Anyways, it was so funny. I have her stories and my stories saved today, and I, I every now and then I like to go back and then read them. They were all wholesome stories, by the way. Remember, I was like in sixth grade. I know there's like a huge stereotype that fan fiction is like dirty. You know, fan fiction is everything. You could find clean, dirty, whatever, and they all have different names. Like, I was writing fluff. If you know what fan fiction is, I was writing fluff, which is wholesome content. If you were looking for dirty content, those were called lemons. Yeah, I don't know why they were called lemons. Smut. I wasn't writing smut or lemons, okay? I was writing immaculate, romantic, slow burn shit. I love a good slow burn. I wouldn't even write kisses into my stories. I just wanted to tease people with the idea of a romance. I thought I was like Pride and Prejudice. It wasn't. Pride and Prejudice is beautiful in a way that I could never ever write, but that's what I was going for, that vibe. I continued reading fan fiction throughout middle school. I would, like, find a crush that I had on, like, I don't know, was it a celebrity? No, it wouldn't mean a celebrity. It would be, like, in a literary work. What a fancy way to put it. I remember I had a fat crush on Dallas Winston from The Outsiders. I know y'all have read that. Like, most schools assign that for either, like, I think for middle schoolers. I had a crush on Dallas Winston. Everyone else had a crush on Ponyboy, Soda Pop, Dar Dari, Dairy. I had a crush on Dallas Winston. He was the baddest. <laughs> that sounds so weird. He was the baddest as in like, he was a bad boy. And you know, I hate how I said this on a podcast, but I'm gonna keep it in for the sake of making the point, okay? He was like a rebel, smoke, drank, committed crimes, you know, your typical bad boy in a book. And I was like in love. I wasn't actually in love, but I was like, oh my god. And I would read all the fan fiction. I think I read like every piece of work that wasn't garbage in my eyes and to my standards on tumblr on there was a fan fiction place called archive of our own i never really read on wattpad i wish i did because that was like one of the most popular fan fiction platforms but i never read on there i tried writing my own fan fiction on wattpad didn't work out you know what i had a good time and eventually again i grew out of that phase because i mean for one i stopped reading in general and two i i I ain't need fan fiction anymore. I really wish, like, sometimes I think about, damn, I wish I read fan fiction because I feel like I don't have any other hobbies that are, like, really cool now because I, I feel like fan fiction, as weird as it was, it was fun. It was a good time. It was interesting because there were some beautiful writers out there and there were some really terrible ones and there were some ones that were just really good at dialogue and coming up with scenarios and it's just like it was it was always like a roller coaster it was like a box of chocolates you never knew what you were gonna get so let's do a little review before I close this or before I decide to go somewhere else. I had a virtual world games website phase. I had a mermaid phase, a Tumblr phase, an Omega phase. I had a fan fiction phase, an RP phase. Man, I had so many phases. And this is like, I feel like there's so much more to say, but I can't remember. The end of my phases came around high school because I started to get like really serious and really busy all the time. I never really had time for extra stuff or at least my time management skills would never let me adopt other hobbies like reading. Now that I think about like everything that I've had fun with on the internet it's it's just like 
that was my childhood. And now that I'm like almost 19, it's like, damn, that's, that's my childhood and that's it for this life. Of course, I also went through YouTube phases throughout my childhood, throughout like elementary to now. I remember my first favorite YouTuber was Ryan Higa. I loved his videos. I thought he was so funny. Like, peak comedy back in, I don't even know like how old I was, 2010 maybe? I loved Jenna Marbles. I thought she was super funny. I went through a PewDiePie phase. I thought he was hilarious. Let me tell you, in sixth grade, I, w I feel like I went through a lot of phases like early middle school. In sixth grade, I discovered PewDiePie and every day after school, no matter what my day was like, I would open my iPad, I know very fortunate, and I would open up his channel because PewDiePie used to post gameplays, multiple gameplays, every single day. And since he lived in a different time zone, I think for him he was already uploading by the end of the day, but for me it was like afternoon. I would just binge watch his horror gameplays and his stuff and I would just laugh. I would laugh and I would eat and I would just be chilling and that's how I spent my after schools in like sixth grade. That's where I got a lot of love and a lot of my knowledge. I don't really have up-to-date knowledge anymore for video games. I honestly like a lot of it's outdated but that's where I got my love for like horror, horror games, you know games like The Walking Dead, To the Moon, you know there there were so many games he played. He played PC as well as consoles and then I grew out of that phase and I think the next biggest YouTuber I fell in love with was Emma Chamberlain. Oh man, I remember I wanted to be Emma Chamberlain. She was like my age or like I think she's a year older than us and I was like this is the life I want to live and I would watch her because she was so relatable and I felt like she was a girl my age but she was living it up and she eventually got super famous and that's when I stopped watching her not because she changed but I again I grew out of Emma Chamberlain after like six months to a year and I still like occasionally watch her content and so I've, I've gone through a lot of phases and I can ramble on this for like hours and hours but I, I kind of just wanted to introduce that part of myself to my listeners um if you're listening to this podcast for the the first time hey what's up if you listen all the way to this point and you're a new listener good for you if you're a person that's come from my prologue episode or even from last episode i hope you enjoyed this i had a really great time talking for so long and it's good to record another episode again i was really scared that i wasn't going to record one this week and i was like so so nervous i've been thinking about how to better my podcast and how to branch out but I think again I don't want to get too ahead of myself and I just want to make sure my podcast is like settled and it's strong and I'm very much supporting it and still pursuing it. So to conclude this episode I kind of wanted to revisit my first one and make a quick comment. As crappy as my senior year was and how I felt about it cannot change. I had a couple good things happen to me that year. I entered a relationship and I gained another member of my support system. I'm pretty sure I would have had a worse year had it not been for them. And I also was president for the second year in a row for one of my clubs. It's kind of like a video journalism film club and I helped my members build a portfolio that they could use in the future as like a reference tool or to build upon 
if they decide to apply to a college and major in something artistic. And I kind of wanted to give them an opportunity through a club that they really like to explore themselves as artists and just kind of get prepared for the real world, the quote-unquote real world that everyone talks about up until you graduate from high school and then you go to college and no one ever brings that up and so yeah I helped them build a portfolio I made a site out of it and I'm so happy that it worked out it was a beautiful project and I enjoyed it and so yeah those were a couple things that happened to me senior year that I didn't mention but I felt like I should because it's important to be grateful and it's important to think about the good things you have even in the darkest of times. So yeah, that is my conclusion to this episode. I hope you all enjoyed this random mess of a story of my childhood phases. So thank you all for listening. I love y'all. I'll see you next week. Bye!